0: This is the big part. I've only ever lived here. I lived in Manchester for 20 years, and then I moved to Berlin, and I've not moved anywhere else.
1: I was in the music scene, and the music scene was not in, in a very good shape at that moment. Very druggy, and I was thinking of leaving Berlin, and then the world came down, and then it was just like, oh my God, this is exciting. Love, breath.
2: So we were not a revolution. We were, we were more a rave illusion.
3: Welcome to Berlin in the late eighties, a divided city on the brink of
4: change.
0: Well, really, Berlin's always been one thing for me from the beginning, from, from the moment I got here. You know, um, if it hadn't been for East part of the city, I probably wouldn't have stayed so long, to be honest, because. The east part of the city was this unknown territory that nobody went to, nobody wanted to go there and if they did they went to visit their auntie or relatives and bring them washing up powder and coffee or whatever. So when I got into sort of like this kind of new wavy punk scene of kids in East Berlin that opened up a completely different world to me. So West Berlin was kind of like this crazy mad place where I lived and East Berlin was this crazy mad place that I visited.
3: Artists and musicians were drawn to the city. Mark Rieder was one of them. Another Ulrich Gutmeier. He wrote a book titled Die ersten Tage von Berlin. The first days of Berlin.
5: You have this great mythology of West Berlin in the 80s already. A lot of people know about that. You know, the city of David Bowie and Iggy Pop at the time. Uh, And West Berlin was very special because um, you had to go through transit from West Germany to come here, because it was a walled city. So it was an island in the middle of the GDR. A lot of people who are not European uh, don't really get that.
3: And on that island of West Berlin, some artists were already putting together their vision of unity, like DJ Dr. Motte.
2: So it was a time of when Asset House was really big in Berlin too. And um, there I got the idea, why not set up a a demonstration into the streets of Berlin and put some sound systems on on trucks or vans and uh, bring our music to the streets and have a street party. Why not call this peace, happiness and pancake? Love Parade. We were writing on the uh, on the first uh, poster this year and forever. For us, was clear that this will happening again and again every year. So it was in the beginning. It was clear it has to be massive, uh, or it will grow ma- massive.
3: The Berlin art scene experienced something most cities will never know: a wall which meant cultural, political, and physical division.
1: My name is Gudrun Gut, and I came to Berlin in 1975, and then I founded my first groups, or I got involved into the music scene, the punk scene, and had a couple of bands, and I'm still in the music. There was always a big nightlife in Berlin, because we never had the closing hours, like in West Germany they had that, but Berlin was special. So most of the people who lived here were like young students or people who didn't want to go to the army or paginists, there was no business really. So yeah, it was pretty different from now, no businessman at all, it was pretty special.
3: West Berlin was a playground, a place to experiment, surrounded by a wall. But East Germany had a rebellious spirit of its own. Artist Else Gabriel belonged to a group that fought for artistic freedom.
0: The rebellious voice she found, she still exercises today. This is something very important that we weren't left by the GDR, you know? We left it in advance. We left it at least mentally before the uh, GDR was smashed. Gabriel was part of the artist's group
3: Auto-Perforations-Artisten. It's a made-up word. Auto for self or ego, Perforation a reference to destruction, and Artisten. To reference circus performers. One of their works, Die Spitze des Fleischbergs, or Top of the Meat Mountain, was first performed in 1986 in East Germany. You wore the lungs of a cow on your chest? Yeah.
0: Yep. And
3: you also had a dead chicken with you and you dried it with a hairdryer? Yes.
0: Um, To get this very pathetic piece of meat again into the shape of a lively chicken, you know, to to make something dead already uh, appearing like something lively. It goes to the very existential questions and to death and life and everything, but with a kind of a humoristic or even sarcastic uh, connotation. Not long after, a cosmic shift.
1: I remember
5: I was watching TV and I thought, this can't be true. And I think it was on the radio or we got a phone call that uh, the wall was open. (laughs) And then I went outside
1: and I saw a trubby. And I thought, it is true. And then friends of mine had like a little birthday party around the corner. And I went to that place and they didn't know because they didn't watch the TV.
5: And so we said, let's let's go to the next uh, checkpoint. And the next checkpoint from Neukölln was... uh, And I told them,
1: hey, the wall came down. I said, oh, they are crazy. And nobody believed, I mean, it was like such an accident. (laughs) Nobody expected it. It was really cool. Uh, We went
0: into this pub and there were construction workers from West Berlin and construction workers from East Berlin. And they all stood there and they all had their beer in their hand and it was completely silent. They looked at each other
5: and no one could believe what was going on at this moment. Really, the wall was open. There was a constant stream of people and uh, were welcomed by West Berliners with champagne and beer. And it was like an incredible party mood.
3: The party was just getting started.
2: It was a certain vibe going on on this planet in '89. Uh, Maybe it was infecting many, many people. It was like also infecting musicians, me. And I also, also later on uh, got a dream where I met the space teddy. Yeah. So, and uh, he told me in the dream that I should open up uh, uh, a record label. Yeah? <laughs> and, and we did. And, and he's still there. Yeah.
5: East and West would meet on the dance floor. That's for sure, I mean, in these East Berlin clubs.
2: I wasn't keen of uh, uh, questioning, are you from East or from West? Because it doesn't matter to me. The energy
1: which came from East Berlin, for me, I I felt it, it was really different than how it was before because they were, they seemed to be very friendly and warm-hearted because they had to, really, you know, help each other all the time. They were very, di- very different from the cold 80s feel we had here, and that was very refreshing.
5: It was an inner city that was uh, more or less free to your fantasies. You know, you could find a, a basement and make a crazy party there without, you know, a lot of uh, uh, capital. You know, you needed to know somebody who had a, a PA and uh, two record players and and uh, two DJs and then you had a
2: party there. It was more like, let's build up something like a club uh, because we started a club called Planet. Out of that came later came the E-Werk and uh, next to Tresor in the Wilhelmstraße. Uh, next to Love, Right what we did, but um, it was uh, all together. It was uh, a, a fantastic thing that we could uh, actually go into uh, free spaces and build up our ideas. It was the spirit of the anarchist punk
5: culture a bit. So people went to these places, very adventurous places. Sometimes, sometimes they were just used for one party, you know, and then abandoned
2: again.
1: And it was chaos. It was total chaos. But the good thing about the chaos was that there were lots of empty places <laughs> which were occupied and, you know, all the people who moved to Berlin after, in the 90s, they always moved to East Berlin.
2: The basic of uh, the electronic music from now is based in that time, the early 90s and stuff, because we were starting a do-it-yourself culture. Yeah? So with, uh, you had the chance to uh, do your own club you had the chance to do your own music, be a DJ and so on. Mm-hmm. So it was open field and you could just be creative.
5: And also, um, maybe in the background was the feeling that really that was a, a, a new age starting, which was true because it was the end of, of the Eastern Bloc. I mean, the, you know, the Cold War had determined people's lives uh, in Europe, definitely, but also somehow all over the world, you know, even in Africa. Uh, and that, that was over, definitely over. And so that meant everything was possible. I mean, if something like that, uh, uh, like the, the Soviet empire collapses, if that collapses, anything can
6: happen. I mean, it will never happen again. It was uh, just a special time, you know, because, because you, you had this um, non-regulated state of, of living, you know, nothing was regulated. Flats were not regulated, rents were not regulated, the traffic, nothing was regulated.
3: That is filmmaker Peter Zach. Zach captured the spirit of the early 90s in his film, Gestern, Mitte, Morgen. Once part of East Berlin, Mitte became the heart of a unified city.
6: It was really a time warp. It's like, like Joe Unit, one of these protagonists said, it's a time warp and it's not forever it's just a short time i guess this was the this this is the reason why it was so why it became so international you know because in the 90s it changed because these young people came uh, to see what's happening and when they left in the mid 90s they brought the idea of berlin they spread it all over the world they went back to australia to barcelona to, to France, and they influenced the people there, or the Italians. Uh, all the people lived in Mitte at that time, they, they told them at home, that's a great place to be. That's... And that was the reason why all the people came then afterwards and had this, this myth of, of this open and free Berlin was created at that time.
3: That idea of Berlin as a creative free-for-all spread to performers, sculptors, painters, and other artists from around the world. They took over empty spaces and created studios, galleries, and even entire artist communes. The most famous of them all, Tacheles in Berlin-Mitte.
4: My name is Martin Reuter. I'm an artist and um, I work in uh, robots, music, sculptures, pictures, of course, the internet and Sometimes politics, fighting the investors, whatever. I came first to Berlin, wow, 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 1986, I guess, yeah, yeah. The special thing of Tacheles was, at least from the beginning on, that there were the artists from 16 to 70 working shoulder on shoulder. There were no difference in between men and women. I would say the women uh, were more uh, responsible and working more than the men. (laughs) But there was no, our language was English because there were so many international artists as well that uh, this was the uh, uh, language everybody understood. The buildings were ruined and so we artists had the possibility to just go into a house said okay, I will stay over here. Then you had to find the electricity line. You connect yourself to the electricity line and you do not have to pay electricity because there was no company who knew, oh, I have my electricity lines over here. It needed years. And then you, had, you didn't have to pay rent. I paid first time rent in Berlin, I think, 1999. There were a rehearsal room in the cellars and there were the legendary Ständige Vertretung Disco, one of the birthplaces of the German techno movement. And uh, even the the guys of Rammstein rehearsed at Tacheles. (laughs) This worked out in Tacheles. This worked up for 22 and a half years, and they tried to shut us down from 1996 on. Uh, and a lot of people, thousands of people, learned a lot about politics or the different stages of reality, art, and and, and. and so, what better you can in, in what better you can be in as an artist. Nothing. This is the. This is like the paradise. The wall came down was something. Uh, some people said this is the new morning. And uh, some of them realized, yeah, this is a nice gap where we can jump in now. But it's temporary. Because nobody who was really thinking about the world and the rest and the universe uh, thought that somebody will give us the middle
2: of Berlin. At the end, it will be like that, that um, the people everywhere on the planet dance under the uh, movement of uh, love, peace and uh, pancake, or whatever you call it, love parade, and we all become friends. And because of that, there will be world peace. That easy. I mean, you can have
5: a good party now. I mean, come on. This is uh, uh, People are always chasing for these special moments. And uh, it's part of the story, you know, that what you can have is, is the desirable, the most desirable. And you are sad that you will not be there. Yeah, I'm also sad that I will never see ancient Rome. So, I mean, what can I do? <laughs> I mean I'm alive now so uh, uh, enjoy yourself I mean if you if you can you know like take something from that time is is really exactly that enjoy that moment now because it will be over tomorrow maybe or the day after tomorrow but if you can have the party now have the party
1: I think like the 80s was pretty much punk oriented then came the 90s with the celebration years you know the Wiedervereinigung celebrations and we had the big based on combining it the techno 90s then the zero years were more like networking kind of stuff then the 10 years is like the blase the social media blase and now i think we have we're starting a new era where everybody gets political again
3: Thirty years after the fall of the wall, these artists are still contributing to Berlin's legacy. Mark Rieder is a musician, producer and runs his own record label MFS. Else Gabriel is a professor in the sculpture department at the Weissensee Kunsthochschule Berlin. Ulrich Gutmeier is a culture editor at the German daily newspaper Taz. He's also the author of the book Die ersten Tage von Berlin. Gudrun Gut was part of the bands Malaria and Mania D in West Berlin in the 80s. She's still releasing albums on her independent label, Monika. Peter Zach is the director of the documentary Gestern Mitte Morgen. Martin Reiter spent decades fighting court battles to keep Tacheles open for artists from around the world. And
2: my name is Dr. Motte and I'm the founder of the Berlin Love Parade. And you love that. Of course, I love that. I
0: can't pay your price. They
3: all still live in Berlin. I can't pay your price. This podcast was produced for The Big Pond by Sylvia Cunningham, I Nikki Mortzen, and me, price. Monika Müller-Kroll.
5: Together, you've been listening to The Big Pod, a series of dialogues between Germans and Americans, coming to you from PRX and the goethe Institute.